Hello, my name is Larry Dobrow. I am the editor-in-chief of MM&M. I've got Jamie Abalone, the chief data officer from Evoke here with us today. Jamie, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Larry. We're going to be talking a little bit about the evolution of data and audience intelligence in healthcare marketing, which is obviously a very top of mind topic for, I would say, everybody. Big topic and a lot to chew on here. Why don't we start with a pretty ridiculously broad question? (laughs) What do pharma marketers not know about their key stakeholders that you wish they did? You know, when you had that first conversation with somebody, what are some of the things that, you know, you wish they brought to the table? I think there's... A lot of onus on and a lot of of thought put towards how they're interacting with pharma specifically or with a brand as opposed to an understanding of holistically how they're looking for information. And they're not the same thing at all. I really try to stress to our clients that there's a, a large swath of opportunity, a large piece of the pie in terms of when they're engaging for professional information that you're just not hitting upon if you're really focused on that small sliver of engagement that you get with them. And I think that's kind of part one and where we all start from is just the opportunity is significantly larger for engagement if you think about it more holistically. To that end, let's talk bigger trend. You know, in your mind, what are some of the most important ones that you're seeing nowadays? Uh, so many of the conversations have focused on just this. Data, audience intelligence, what are the trends that are uh, top of mind for you? I think the most important one is hyper-specificity. I think we've gone from a place where that was something that people were hoping for or was on a wish list. And I feel we're really moving to a place where that should be a baseline for clients. It's not necessarily a baseline for all clients, but we'd really like it to be the case. There really isn't a need anymore, I think, for people to rely on data sets that are not specifically bespoke to a stakeholder of interest to a specific pharma marketer. And so I think that's kind of part one from that perspective. Secondarily, we also really want clients and the pharma industry in general to move away from thinking about things only from a prescribing behavior perspective. Obviously, that is important from a commercial lens, but it's not how people look for information. It's not how you best engage because there's not necessarily a correlation between how people are looking for information and their prescribing behavior per se. It's much more helpful to group people into how they best want to receive information and engage when it comes to professional info seeking. And that is an opportunity that we think is a very large trend and something that we're hoping to evolve within the pharma marketing space. You touched on this a little bit already. When you think about the key tenets of data and intelligence, what are the ones that you think are most critical to success circa mid-2023? So, I mean, I think we've kind of, yeah, we've hit upon a few of these already. Hyperspecificity is obviously yeah. first and foremost. A second piece of this is I always tell clients, never trust data that wasn't created for you specifically. There's not really a need to settle for kind of a third-party data set. Primary data generation is very easily done in 2023 while complying by whether it's GDPR or HIPAA or any privacy compliance areas there. It's really important to look beyond just your engagements because there's nothing saying that you're engaging particularly well with your end user, right? And I think a lot of people assume that that baseline is correct, and it could be, but it probably isn't. There's probably someone doing it a little better than you just in the overall universe. And I don't just mean the pharma universe. I mean in the information-seeking universe, right? And so that's another piece of that. I think lastly, not everything, but most things from a data generation perspective can be done in 2023 from my experience. The ceiling's not as low as I believe a lot of pharma believes it is. The question is just if there's an appetite 
and the desire for that data at the cost it will take to procure it. We want, from a tenant perspective, I think pharma needs to dream a little bigger when it comes to understanding exactly how much we can understand whether that's about a singular doctor or patient or about a sub-segment or a market at large. A phrase that you just used uh, strikes me as very interesting. Pharma needs to dream a little bit bigger. Um, In a broad sense, where are some of the companies that you work with, where are they right now in terms of their evolution in a lot of these topics, whether it's audience intelligence, whether it's omnichannel marketing or anything else? The beginners, the experts, you know. (laughs) I think that there's an understanding that our analytics from assets or from initiatives that are owned by a client are not the be-all end-all anymore. And I think that's a great start, right? Because it's just as important to say what they're doing on a doximity or a medscape and what, what's really working as it is what they're doing on your own asset, even if we can't see the analytics for that specific engagement, right? And that's kind of where we're trying to move towards from an audience intelligence perspective is a true understanding of actual real-world behavior. And the next piece of this is how does that change on a topic or subtopic basis? And then how does that change as we move across the country into different regions and different micro communities? And when you put that all together, I think those are the areas that we'd really like our clients to focus on kind of moving forward in terms of dreaming bigger is that level of specificity and that understanding that we can look at something that maybe isn't as specific to what's already existing and create a comp or an analog that is highly likely to have a positive outcome for a future initiative. This follows up on that question, but um, what are the pain points? Where are some of the areas you're seeing where companies just kind of can't get over the hump with this? This is an age-old problem. This has been going on for a decade. And over-reliance on owned assets, I think, has always been a problem, right? Where if they're going to your websites or, or leveraging your assets, that's great. But if they're not, it's very difficult to increase your footprint by just continuing down that pathway. You kind of sometimes really do need to change your approach and start to find yourself in places where they're already going. Something I try to remind clients of is that you can change behavior, but that requires you to engage with them quite a bit. If your engagement cadence is once a month, in reality, it's very difficult to change an ingrained behavior if that's what's happening. You know, something like Instagram in the broader context where they're engaging with it 45 times a day, then you can change the behavior. But if you're having a once a month engagement, it's actually very important to recognize that and instead understand that for that topic or subtopic, I'm not going to change their behavior. And therefore, I have to change how I'm doing this because otherwise the result is not going to improve dramatically. So, I mean, obviously you have to learn new skills. You have to be open to things. Does it require maybe a little bit of a shift in mindset um, in terms of opening yourself up to experimentation, to doing things that maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable? I think there's a few things to that, Larry, which are, which are interesting. First and foremost is, yes, obviously agility becomes incredibly important. Failing fast, trying experiments, being nimble, a lot of the process that comes with a strong omni-channel approach. But I also think there's a need to understand that You need data sets and you need intelligence that gives you a full picture because, again, to the point I was just making before, the amount of time that you're engaging with them may not actually be that helpful to understanding their underlying behavior, right? And so it actually becomes more important to look at something that's more holistic as a whole and not necessarily just a really small sliver that is highly pertinent to you in that exact moment, because that doesn't necessarily allow you to evolve or enhance anything that you're doing. And so I think that's kind of where we're hoping to see clients go from that perspective. 
Um, if clients do fail fast and indeed failure comes fast, how do you get them to brush off the sleeves, get back up and uh, do it again? Um, does that sometimes take a little bit of handholding? I think with a lot of the offerings that we're putting out there, what we're trying to do is create a baseline of behavior of understanding in terms of understanding holistically how they're going about info seeking, whether that's a patient or some CP on the professional side. And that allows us to evolve or pivot as needed. And oftentimes in the real world scenarios, these pivots aren't raise the whole thing down and then start again. Oftentimes it's okay, we put this on your asset. We're not getting the desired engagement we would like. If we move this to a third party, let's say, you know, stay with the example we had before, Doximity, we might actually see that that's the perfect area for this specific subtopic to be putting that into play. And we have a lot of data and rigor backing that up that is for the client specifically. So then we can start to say with a pretty high probability, we know that we're going to be able to engage with your end user in mind because we've seen that behavior already, right? And so it's not always a matter of like, it's a 1.0, 2.0. Sometimes it's like a, a 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. You're getting a increase across the way. It's more of kind of a, a modulation, a slight tweak, as opposed to having to start for a new again. That is pretty rare, actually, that there's kind of those large strikeouts, especially when you're using intelligence in the way that we really encourage our clients to in order to have that kind of uptick. Give me an example of a campaign in which audience intelligence, omnichannel has significantly affected the results. Basically something that worked well. Yeah. First one that's coming to mind that I think is pertinent to the conversation we were just having is we had a client recently where it's a pretty broad category and we're dealing with multiple stakeholders, both on the HCP in the pharmacy director space as well, actually. And so the category isn't as top of mind as a client might like. And I think our first job is to give that news. And But it's not just a matter of kind of understanding the landscape. Everything we're doing, we're trying to do it from a perspective of understanding, okay, how do we now evolve this? And so in this case, we had a large real-world data set of their uh, digital behaviors. And so we could actually understand what they were doing that was correlative to this specific therapy area, where we could actually have an interaction. It was a next door kind of move in terms of what we were going after. And that had tremendous uptick as a whole. We saw, I think, a 75% increase on third-party assets and obviously a very large open rate increase when we started doing it from that perspective because we were able to move upstream of the specific product area that we were having a problem with them recognizing and into an area that made much more sense within their overall info-seeking behavior as a whole. Did it take any persuasion to get them to kind of follow this path? What was the sort of practical working consideration that went into this? Clients are inundated with data, right? When you are able to distill it down to the very key numbers that make sense, like here's the percent of the time that they're looking for information that they can find what they're looking for as it relates to your specific therapy area or product or whatever indication, whatever the case may be. You're able to show them that if we continue on this path, you'll have the same results you have right now, but it's not going to increase anything, right? Like we've kind of maxed out going at the rate we're going. And if you're able to distill that down into the most key numbers that have a lot of statistically significant backing, I don't think these are very difficult conversations because these are all commercially minded people. There's a lot of logic in the room, I find in general. And when we get that message across, it's easy to say, okay, now here's what we're going to do about it because we see that topics X, Y, and Z that are somewhat related to your brand are very top of mind and they're looking for them on X on websites, A, B, and C. And if we, so if we start to paint that picture together, that becomes something that is really impactful and 
kind of what I'm describing to you is taking what you have and applying it somewhere else or maybe shortening it depending on the time frame per topic. Those are all things that are, are very easily applicable, right? So we're not asking people to, to start from scratch. We're asking them to take what they have and modulate it or refine it in a way that's more realistic to what the actual real world situation is for their specific stakeholders. And if that doesn't work, we continue to tweak. Oftentimes, more often than not, we're getting it right the first or second time. In a general sense, some of the goals are, you know, you want to unlock uh, overlooked insights. You want to move closer to health equity. Um, you want to provide a more human experience. Where should healthcare marketers be prioritizing in terms of their time and especially given the economic climate, uh, their budgets? That's a great question. I think, so first is we're seeing, and it's a big trend, a desire to move much more into underserved communities and to reach those who are either having undiagnosed disease or, un, or unchecked disease progression, which is oftentimes something that's occurring a lot across the U.S. And that's an area that I think is germane to many of our pharma clients from that perspective. On the HCP side, I think it's much more about having high quality engagements than frequent interactions. And that's something that we're pushing as well. And getting the medium correct, I've seen in my career post-COVID a tremendous desire for both HCPs and patients to move towards video in a way that I didn't necessarily expect to happen. And so, you know, something that might have seemed like a nice to have five years ago, I think now is a need to have is the way that people are consuming information changes dramatically and, and ensuring that you are using the correct modality, not even the correct channel, but just kind of the correct modality as a whole uh, becomes incredibly important. Jamie, one last question for you, and it's kind of the crystal ball question. Maybe it comes from a little bit of not knowing on my side, how quickly can we see progress here? I think you mentioned just before that five years ago video, nice to have. Now, if you don't have it, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. How quickly can companies that might be on the wrong side of this affect change and really start seeing results? I think it all starts with having the correct intelligence in place that has statistical rigor behind it, because that's something that you can really kind of hang your hat on and make moves in the correct direction. And so that's three months away, probably, and generally for most people, right? So I'd say, oh, okay, well, you can do it as fast as three months if you have the right mindset in place. I think more realistically, we've seen clients make some pretty bold maneuverings as it relates to either content creation, asset placement, or some combination of the two, or, or how they're kind of leveraging sales first versus non-personal promotion in six months to a year. And so I, I think it's something that with the right mindset, you can make moves very quickly. And you know, something I always remind clients is oftentimes a lot of the research that's been done to date, especially from a content creation perspective, has led them in the right general ballpark. Like, so we have kind of the clay to work with. It's just not being put into the right structures yet. And that's something that I think a lot of the work that we're doing at Evoke can help with is to help really understand what is the best framework to put this in and how do we get the most out of it in terms of whether that's modulization of content or something that can be leveraged both from a digital perspective and face-to-face. -to, -face. to me, that's always somewhere between three months and a year away. So it's not like it's light years away from any specific organization, in my opinion. I kind of love that because a lot of the things we ask about, it's like, well, you know, if it unfolds over the next, you know, seven to 10 years, it's like, wow, okay. I like to think we move a little faster than that, right? Yeah, no. And I think that something that I'm particularly heartened by, especially in the past, I'd say 18 months, is I do think there's, and I'm sure, Larry, you see this as well from your side. I do think there is a appetite for understanding intelligence in a different manner than I'd seen in the past. And, you know, I think a lot of times in the past, not to pick on qualitative research or anything of that nature, but, you know, I think a lot of the more tried and true methodologies that I think didn't necessarily 
give you as broad of a view or as sound of a view from a sample size perspective as someone with my background would like, or being too heavily relied upon. And now we're seeing a catch up from client side where they're more open to some more novel methodologies, but also to things that are going to give them a broader and more statistically significant viewpoint to go off of, which I think is great and is a really strong catch-up that I think other industries kind of made that leap in the previous decade. So it's great to see pharma kind of getting there. Pharma, you know, was always kind of slow on these things. And now we're seeing motion in a way that's, you know, kind of cool to see. But catching up fast. (laughs) Tortoise in the hair, you know? (laughs) Jamie, every time I talk to you, I feel a lot smarter when I'm done. So thank you for your insight and thanks so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me, Larry. My name is Larry Dobrow. Many thanks for listening and be well. 